you know, I, I spent a long time in prison, so like, I'm learning now, I'm constantly learning. Many people don't know is once you're done with your with your sentence, there's so many more obstacles coming after that. It's like your punishment kind of continues with that in terms of housing and getting on your feet again. We have a good hospitality background. We we want to get more involved in the social aspect of helping prisoners, you know, turn their lives around essentially. And so they came up with the idea of like, well, let's let's give this let's give craft beer a go. Um, I'm more front of house. I can engage with customers. That's a bit of me. So I'm supervising the cafe. Um, become a barista. Um, what tap means to me, it means a great deal. And having that stable employment, which was purposeful, gave me direction, gave me opportunity, um, has just been, yeah, amazing. It's just amazing, just superb. All the great words, yeah, you can find in the dictionary. There you go. All the great, amazing <laughs> words, yeah, yeah. And welcome to We Are Beer People, a podcast all about the many different people who help us enjoy beer. I'm your host, Rob Cadwell, and I reckon if you're listening to this, then there's a good chance that you are one of the beer people too. You might be involved in the world of beer, you may want to find out more about the industry, or perhaps you simply enjoy drinking the stuff. So join me now as I have a chat with one of the beer people. Today, I'm escaping the gravity pool of my hometown. I'm off to visit a social enterprise called Tap Social Movement, which includes a brewery, a bakery, and five hospitality venues. They brew great beer and have just won a series of awards at the Sebra Awards, but perhaps more importantly, they've brewed a business that makes a difference. Tap Social Movement was set up in 2016 with a goal to create training and employment for people in prison and prison leavers, to provide fulfilling jobs in a network outside prison that builds confidence and sets people up to succeed and to be productive and happy outside prison. And that's something that benefits those involved, but also society more broadly. Today, I have not one, but two guests. I'm speaking with Tap Social's marketing manager, Brian Spencer, and I'm also speaking with Rory, who's a prison leaver that's joined Tap Social, working at Proof Bakehouse. And we hear from him directly about how much of a difference it has made to his life and his plans after prison. So join me as we head into Oxford's covered market and have a chat with some of the beer people. Hello, Brian, and thank you very much for joining us today. And a very big welcome to We Are Beer People. <laughs> thanks, thanks for having us, Brian. So we're sat in the Market Tap, which I've never been to before, but it's in this beautiful covered market right in the centre of Oxford. And you've got loads of different businesses that are here, and bang in the middle is the Market Tap with all of your beers, coffees, pastries, some amazing seating areas kind of indoors and outdoors. It's a lovely place to be. Thank you very much for, for having us. Yeah, thanks for coming out. Thank you. Uh, so, Brian, you're marketing manager at Tap Social. Um, I'm going to start by asking if you can just introduce yourself a little bit and tell us how you started off in your career and how you've got to being marketing manager at Tap Social. Sure. So, again, thanks for coming out. It's really nice to, to have you out here um, in the, the very chilly environs of, <laughs> of, the, uh, of the market tap. Um, yeah, my name is Brian Spencer. Um, I'm the marketing manager at Tap Social. Uh, I've been with the company since uh, fall 2022. Um, and I've just moved to Oxford in 2021, kind of at the tail end of COVID. Mm -hmm. Um, it was a very accidental move. It wasn't meant to be permanent. Um, it's a very long story and a boring story, but randomly I ended up in Oxford of all places. Um, when I first got here in, uh, the fall of 2021, I'd never been to Oxford, uh, spent a lot of time in England mm -hmm. over the last probably seven or eight years. Uh, my partner is a, uh, academic who specializes in British literature. So we spent, you know, maybe two or three months a year in London before COVID. Um, so not new to England, mm -hmm. but, uh, to Oxford is very new. And, um, you know, I, we just kind of really fell in love with it. Um, just the right kind of change of pace. We were coming from Singapore. Yeah. Um, and, um, yeah, I kind of, and the, the, the way I found Tap Social actually is I moved here and we got our address and I was just, I literally went on Google Maps. This is very 
cliche, but I just piped in craft beer near here, <laughs> near my house. And Tap Social came up. It was very, very close. I was like, wow, awesome. There's a tap room right by, right, 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 right by where we live. Um, and so I just started going there just as a, as a fan. Um, learned a lot more about the company over time. Uh, met some of the some people who, who run it. Mm. And um, one thing led to another. And um, yeah, here I am sitting here talking to you. Oh, brilliant. It's uh, yeah, amazing that sort of probably that search on Google uh, for craft beer, <laughs> pubs, and all that sort of stuff. And I do that it in the most you. random places, and sometimes I'm surprised by the results. But uh, it's it's actually very helpful. But then you get the results where it's like a craft beer on the menu, and you show yeah, them and it's, you know, exactly. You can see what's actually on tap as well, right. and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. So it's always a help. So that's fantastic. So you found out it was near to you. How did you go then from jumping from visiting visiting it, liking the beers presumably, and then working for? It's a long process. Um, so when I when I first moved here, I was still working remotely for a very small craft brewery in Singapore, mm-hmm. um, doing their marketing here, uh, like as, as I do for Tap Social. Um, and I met Tess, who's one of their co-founders, and I just kind of introduced myself. And um, there wasn't necessarily um, a job opening at that time, mm-hmm. um, but I just I kind of stayed in touch with Tess, and um, I think that the opportunity came up for someone of my skills. Um, and I just kind of went with it from there. I mean, it's it's not that interesting of a story how I became to work with them, but um, it's really in many ways been a dream job for me, mm-hmm. uh, coming from my background and coming to Oxford and just being able to really kind of dive into the community and, and all the things. You know, Tap Social is very involved in Oxford, and it's been in so many ways just a really rewarding thing, uh, not just in what we do at Tap Social, but just being able to kind of jump into the community and, and meet so many different people from so many different organizations here uh, in Oxford. You know, Oxford's a very socially minded place. Um, and so I've just met so many interesting people and within Tap Social and outside, just from being in this role, uh, it's just, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's been really fun. Fantastic. And can you tell us a little bit about Tap Social movement and what it's all about, why it was set up? and uh, yeah. what its objectives are. Yeah, so Tap Social, we celebrated our seventh birthday last November, so we started in Congratulations. Thank you. Seven years, it's wild. <laughs> <laughs> um, especially knowing from where we started. Um, you know, the, the, the interesting thing I think about Tap Social that I found very interesting when I learned this was you know, a, lot of, a lot of breweries start for, you start for different reasons, right? You start a business for all kinds of different reasons. Um, Tap Social wasn't started to just brew great beer. Um, we do brew great beer, uh, it's gotten better and better, I think, over the years, as, as most brewers. I can attest for that, because I tried some, it's absolutely lovely, yeah. <laughs> That's very kind. Really good. Thank you. <laughs> um, but we, TapSource was, was founded for a purpose and not a product. Um, so our three co-founders, uh, Paul, Amy, and Tess, Amy and Tess are sisters. Um, they all have criminal justice backgrounds. Mm-hmm. Um, Paul is an independent barrister. Um, when Tap Social started, Amy is working as a senior policy advisor at the Ministry of Justice, with kind of a focus on... Um, reforms and, and improving efficiencies and how, you know, prisoners and, and, and prison leavers are treated. Um, and Tess was working as a, uh, well, she's working in hospitality in London when they started. But before that, she's from Canada and she's working as a, as a counselor at a nonprofit, mm-hmm. um, specifically working with youths and trying to get their uh, kind of past offenses and things stricken from their record, basically. So they all had kind of something they all had a essentially a stake in and something they felt passionate about. And I think, you know, without speaking for them, the story is, is that they, you know, they decided they wanted to do something a little bit more. They wanted to get more directly involved um, in the process. I think, you know, especially when they were seeing people at the end of their time here. And then, as, as I've learned and many people don't know, is once you're done with your, with your sentence, there's so many more obstacles coming after that. It's like your punishment kind of continues with that in terms of housing and getting on your feet again. So I think that they decided, look, we have a good hospitality background. We, we want to get more involved in the social aspect of, of helping prisoners you know, turn their lives around, essentially, and get involved not just when they're kind of out the door. And so they came up with the idea, like, well, let's, let's, give, this, let's give craft beer a go. They're all craft beer fans, just they didn't really have any necessarily experience in it. And they just kind of threw two sheets to the wind and, and went for it. Um, they hired Jason, who's our head brewer, mm-hmm. who's been with us since the start. And we started at the tap room on a very small kit with, I think, a thousand liter fermentation space. And now um, we moved to our new brewery in May 2022. We tripled our, well, we've had another brewery before that, but we've now doing 
2,000 liter batches with each, with each brew. We have 22,000 liters of fermentation space. So still very small, mm -hmm. but you know, scaling up very quickly. Yeah, and you've got uh, several tap rooms now to fill, haven't you? We have five vendors <laughs> now, that's for sure. So we've got to keep the beer flowing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's, it's a challenge. It's a good thing. Um, I, I do think, you know, it sounds like we're, you know, the growth is, has been very sustainable and, and measured. Mm -hmm. um, the venues, they all have their own specific advantages and disadvantages, I should say. Um, but I think it's, it's nice to, this kind of helps us kind of have a, a larger footprint across Oxfordshire and help people discover us. Fantastic. So you obviously started with beer, but you also now do, as I say, things like coffee, uh, pastry. Uh, there's bakery as well, isn't it, attached to it? There is, that proof? yeah. It's really cool, actually. Yeah. And, I, and I, would, I would think this was cool even if I didn't yeah. work here. Like, <laughs> so I, I mentioned we had another brewery. So mm. when we went from the tap room, which we still use, actually, yeah. um, to brew mostly Cascale at this point, we went to another brewery in Kennington, which is just south of uh, central Oxford, mm -hmm. right off the River Thames. And that brewery, when we moved to our current one, uh, we completely gutted that original space, transformed it to an open plan commercial bakery, uh, which is called Proof Social Bakehouse now. Mm -hmm. It's really nice. So our, our team down there is smashing it. It's about going on two years old now. Yeah, croissants, pastries, breads, lots of decadent things that I'm not Fantastic. right What's now. not to like? Yeah, yeah. in January, <laughs> bleakest of months. Why do we do this to ourselves? Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. But that's that's fantastic. And can you tell us, like, um, talked a little bit about the obstacles that people face as they're leaving prison and I guess, uh, you know, trying to build a life onwards for them. And there's, I've seen some of the stats where it's quite high for people, you know, reoffending, being caught in that uh, loop, that trap again. Yeah, it's, 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 I, it's been an eye-opening experience for me. Um, I don't have a criminal justice background and everything that I've learned about the, especially the UK criminal justice system has been since I've been with Temp Social. It's crazy. I mean, I think, you know, if you look at our, our false economy cans, like each of our cans has a little kind of stat about the, the prison system and, and all that stuff. You know, people are given 76 pounds when they leave prison mm. and if they don't have anywhere to live, they maybe get a tent and it's Good luck. That's tough. That's tough for a lot of people, uh, especially coming from certain backgrounds. They may not have the family support or certainly the social support. And so I think, you know, what we're trying to do is show that training while you're in prison or in trying to empower people while they're serving their time and, and giving out their sentence, which is supposed to end when you leave, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's supposed to, you know, you, you serve your time and then you're supposed to get out there in the next stage in life. And so we're trying to show that Training and employment, they release programs and things like that can help people get back on their feet more easily. And it certainly reduce, reduces reoffending rates. Mm. I don't want to misspeak here, but I think that the reoffending rate is, is very, very high for people without employment. Um, the people who work with us, which is admittedly a small sample size still at this point, is one tenth of the national average of reoffending. Wow. So I think that we're trying to use our model as an example that can be applied to other businesses and across the UK. Yeah, that's very interesting. As you say, it's not um, a simple step out from leaving prison to going into a place of work, going into having accommodation, having that network of people around you. Right. How does Tap Social address some of those things for people who are on day release from prison or have left prison? So it's kind of a case-by-case case case basis. You'll speak with Rory later and kind of hear about his experience a little bit. Stay with us as we'll be chatting with Rory a little later in the podcast. About one-third of our staff across all of across the brewery and all of our venues has had contact with the criminal justice system in the UK. So in terms of how we support people, it's pretty remarkable, honestly. I think one of the things I noticed really quickly before I even started working for Tap Social is the time that, you know, we're a growing company, a small company, and yet still, you know, our co-founders and our staff spend a lot of time with each individual person and kind of catering support that they get to the support that they need, if that makes sense. So that might mean training, that might mean you know, helping with housing, that might mean giving recommendations for other jobs once they move on from TAP Social. It's, it's pretty disparate, really. And I know that sounds really vague, but again, it's, it's trying to support people with employment while they're in prison, while they're after. And once they're done with TAP Social, you know, several of the guys who we work with gone on to start their own companies um, and so we kind of just help see them through and, and get them on solid footing have their self-esteem built up mm -hmm. there's confidence and basically just try to get them set for the next stage of life in, in a positive way yeah I think in a way it's probably being an understanding more human company or place to work that yeah. you appreciate someone might not be having their best day every day yeah so you're there for that but you're also there to 
will actively guide someone and help them get the skills they need, yeah. the network they need to, to grow and to move on with their life. Yeah, and you know, I think, you know, you asked me why I work with Tap Social. I mean, there's a lot of reasons. One of the things I really appreciate about working here is you know, I've always kind of felt strongly, even before I was working within the industry, when I was covering the industry as a journalist, um, I think it's important in a vice industry. I mean, let's be honest, it's, you know, it's alcohol. Um, and I love it, yep. <laughs> of course. <laughs> um, but I think it's important to give back. Uh, and a lot of, I think in craft beer specifically, it's one of the great things about craft beer is, is they're very community-minded, very socially-minded in general. And I think that, you know, we're not unique in that way of, of giving back to the community. But I think it's important to work for a company that does. And we certainly do. And I think it's nice to kind of know that what I do and what my colleagues do is, is making a real difference in people's lives. I mean, it's, it's one thing to... And I'm not speaking about any breweries necessarily, but you see a lot of big corporations that'll give a, a donation to a Red Cross. And there's nothing wrong with Red Cross <laughs> or whoever it might be. But, you know, it's just this a big donation that goes into a big pot and you don't know where, where it's going and you don't really see that specific impact. On this level, you really do see a specific impact in people's lives. And I think that that's, um, for me, that's really rewarding to see. Fantastic. And I was seeing on your sort of latest stats you've been sharing on your crowdfunder, there's, there's about around 80,000 kind of working hours that have gone into the project so far yeah so it's a huge amount that's um going to make real difference to loads of different lives yeah i added up i think i think we added it up to about 38 39 full years of full-time employment wow and so that we've been here for seven years um you know we're again it's still small it's still small sample size but so far so good so you're marketing manager at Tap Social, so yeah. responsible for getting the word out there i think amongst many other things but can you tell us a little bit about, I guess, your, your roles before then um, and how they kind of lent themselves to the different roles, the different hats that you have to wear as a marketing manager? Sure. So I think I think I mentioned I lived in Singapore before Oxford for about 10 years. Yeah. Um, I was a freelance journalist for most of that time and with a specialized, specializing in travel. Um, and I very quickly realized when I was traveling that I was always being drawn to the craft beer scene. Obviously, I'm a, I'm a craft beer enthusiast. Um, but I found that craft beer is often a kind of gateway into some of the best bits of a, of a, of a, of a destination, right? Like it's not just about the beer. Like I would go, like even here, like you see posters for the music scene and you see other venues that are showing music and you usually meet nice people and they have good restaurant recommendations. And so I've always found that craft beer is a really good gateway into kind of learning about a destination. And so my writing career, I very quickly pivoted towards focusing on beer travel. And I, I launched a website several years ago called Beer Travelist, um, much like a, a podcast is kind of a passion project. Um, not to say that... <laughs> no, no, it absolutely is. <laughs> don't, don't miss, I, you know what I mean. Yeah, there's no money in podcasting at the moment. <laughs> certainly, right. certainly not for me. There was no money yeah. in, in, in my side. <laughs> but uh, I will say, you know, one of my other freelance gigs uh, afforded me the opportunity to travel on, on very cheaply. And so I would go out and do everything I need to do on that assignment. And then I would just rush out and, and just dive into, you know, weird craft beer bars in Tokyo and, you know, strange places in Malaysia that serve craft beer. One of my favorite visits was um, this place called Fat Fat Beer Horse in Xiamen, China. I call him crazy. David, if you're listening to this, you're not crazy. <laughs> kind of a crazy German guy. <laughs> Set up this weird craft brewery in, in Xiamen of all places. Um, and so, uh, you know, I, I, very interested in craft beer and not just in the beer itself, but in the stories around it. And so, you know, when COVID hit, I kind of went through a period where I had to kind of make a decision, you know, travel went away and things like that. And so a friend of mine, or acquaintance of mine, from when I had written about him, got in touch and he said, hey, you know, I have this opportunity. Do you want to come work with me? I'm starting to, I'm going to start going from a bar to a brewery uh, called Renmin. And that's kind of how my formal marketing in, in, in the industry started. And I worked there for several years really good experience and um yeah that led me here what do i do here we're a very small company <laughs> so you can probably imagine uh that marketing manager is a um, doesn't fully encapsulate everything so i it's really cool though and you know, the, the nice thing i make that sound like it's intimidating it's not it's very nice because i get to not just be involved in marketing but also in kind of brewery planning and sales support and i help out with the venues as much as i can so i kind of have small hand in almost everything we do, which is very rewarding, very challenging. I've learned so much in, in the last year and a half, and I'm still learning. And I think that that's, that's an, it's a nice thing to have a job where you're 
you're just learning, right? And you're kind of getting better at what you do, hopefully. I love the name of that uh, bar in China. Fat Fat Beer Horse. That's the one, yeah. If you ever get to Xiamen, please go. Yeah, I will do, yeah. <laughs> David will take good care of you. I'd be interested to know if you've been to lots of different craft beer places in different countries. What were they like? What were the differences? What were the similarities that you're seeing? So many different. I mean, I've, I've been very fortunate. You know, I made travel a priority in my life when I was, you know, just out of university. And I never, ever imagined that I would be so fortunate enough to be able to travel like I have. I feel very lucky. Yeah. You know, I, I've got to see a lot. Um, I think COVID probably makes us appreciate that massively yeah. as well when, when yeah. that sort of tap is switched off. Yeah. You can't do that. So I guess what I'm saying, I've been very fortunate to see a lot of places and a lot of people have too, but they're so different. You know, like we spent a summer in Byron Bay, um, Australia, which is home to Stone and Wood. I don't know if you're familiar with, with them. Um, we live just down the road from their brewery and tap room. You know, the Australian experience, you know, of surfing and sun and, you know, it's so different than going to, obviously, one of the last places I went to before COVID is, this, is here at Suka in Japan, which is a train ride from Tokyo. And it's a place called, and I don't know how to pronounce it, Yggdrasil? Y-G-G-D-R-A-S-I-L? Yggdrasil? I don't know. I can't help you at all. Yeah. So yeah, I'm not <laughs> alone. Again, it's yeah. like this kind of like weird kind of uh, old school surfing destination on the, on the coast of Japan. And randomly this, you know, French guy running a, a heavy metal craft brewery in here at Suka of all places, sitting there, and my favorite band Clutch comes on the TV while I'm sitting there doing an interview. Um, you know, craft beer, and especially independent craft beer, there's a there's an identity and a certain characteristic that you don't. You just have to appreciate that. You know, I think not to sound jaded or anything like that, but you know, monoculture is creeping across the world, right? Mm-hmm. With chains and, and all these things. And, it's not a unique <laughs> observation or thought. But, you know, I think in craft beer, that individual personality is a really a cool thing because it, it reflects a, a small number of people and their kind of outlook on life and the way that they express that. And I think that more than any difference is specific to destinations. It's just specific to each company. And I really enjoy that. I think that Tap Social has a very specific identity, a specific message that we want to get out beyond just our social mission. So I think, yeah, I, I, I would, there's no other industry I'd rather work in. Oh, here's to that. Yeah. <laughs> I think I'll just reflect on what you're saying. I think there's that thing of uh, craft breweries helping you explore the place around you and connect with the place where you are, connect with those people, the connections they have. For example, tap social movement, you know, your kind of mission and what you're set out to do. But it can also give you that window into the world as well. So particularly craft beer at the moment, your hops might be from the UK, but they're probably from uh, the States or from New Zealand or from Germany or, you know, any other place like that. But you can also explore worlds like that. And you're definitely, you've got a lens for how you're exploring that. But it is a a way of kind of exploring where you are, but also the the greater world as well. Yeah, exactly. I think, yeah, I mean, breweries express themselves in their beer, obviously. Mm. Um, And we do as well. But, you know, it's... You know, if you look at our event calendar, we have all kinds of crazy events. And I think what we, what we try to do, um, or what I like to say, and this is not an official tagline or anything like <laughs> that, is you know, we care about what we do, we love what we do, but we, we have a good time doing it. And you know, we, if you, if you, hopefully you can get to our beer festival this summer. Um, but I think that's a really nice expression of, of who we are and, and what we're all about. Because it's, not, it's, a, it's a big beer festival, and there's so many good beer festivals, in the UK especially. But our festivals are just, it's a certain vibe there that I think really nicely encapsulates what we're all about. It's, you know, it's not just pounding beers to pound beers. And again, I'm not saying that any other festivals like that necessarily, but it's, it's just a kind of a small thing, a small gathering of, of well-behaved. <laughs> That's a weird word, I guess. But, you know, it's like we, our first one we had in um, 2022, Changes Brewing Festival, and we had, I think, three or four security. You know, we we're very nervous, right? It's the first time doing a big scale festival like that for three or four security last year I and mean, there was not a single incident last year we stepped our security down um to one person and now it's like do we even need somebody it's yeah. just like we have i don't know we, we draw a nice crowd really good so when's that happening so that thank you for the promo <laughs> <Sorry. on. laughs> that <was so> great. <laughs> uh this year it's june 22nd nice. at our tap room yeah um, we are hoping to have about 13 or 14 guest breweries Wow. For the summer one, uh, we have eight confirmed now um, that have been long time confirmed, and we're filling it out right now. But we have some of the breweries that we've had before, uh, including Verdant, Cloudwater, Pretty Decent Beer Co., Orbit Beers, a lot of our friends. Elusive Brewing will be there. 
Um, and then we have another one in the winter, which is slightly smaller, and that will be on the 30th of November. Nice. I'll pop that in the show notes as well yeah, so please. people can see that. That sounds great. I hope you're enjoying our chat. And if you like what you're hearing, there are a few things that you can do that really help us out and help other people find the podcast. Follow or subscribe to We Are Beer People wherever you get your podcasts and leave a review or rating. Share the episode on your socials or even in actual real life. And if you want to stay up to date with all things We Are Beer People, you can visit our website, wearebeerpeople.co.uk, where you can sign up for a monthly newsletter. And, of course, you can follow us on social media, at We Are Beer People. If you have any questions or comments or want to hear from any beer people, then pop me a message. Now, back to the podcast. How do you work with the brewing team then? From a marketing perspective, are you sort of saying, well, I'd really love uh, you guys to do like a fest beer, or do they say, actually, we want to do this? Like, how does it work between you guys? It's a very cliche relationship. Marketing <laughs> guy, me, I would love to do another hazy IPA. Let's do a hazy pale. <laughs> um, because they sell and they're delicious, yeah. and this is what I drink. And the brewers, auger. Yeah. <laughs> it's very cliche like that. Yeah. It's not quite like that, you know. But um, there's a lot of give and take, and I think that you know our sales team has grown a little bit over the last year. And so the nice thing that that relationship has, how that's kind of evolved, is we now have a sales perspective to balance the marketing perspective to balance the brewery perspective. And I think we work really well as a team. Yeah. So every year around now, we've already done our planning for this year. Um, we get together, we kind of each have our ideas, we talk about what worked, what didn't work, and we try to schedule in a reasonable number of new beers while still focusing on our cores. That's our, that's our bread and butter. And so I think that that, in terms of how that relationship works, there's a conversation. You know, Jason and Ben, who are our two brewers, they're very flexible. I got to give them credit, and they work so hard. I mean, with the amount of volume that we do for two guys, it's remarkable what they do. Generally, in awe of, of how they keep up with everything because it's not just the brewing; it's the ingredients and all the other things that you don't think about as brewer. You know, all, all the, the operational stuff. stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's 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 a it's a give and take. We have a pretty good relationship right now. I'd like to think. I think last year we were somewhat ambitious in the styles and quantity of new beers that were put mm-hmm. out. This year, I think we're stepping back just slightly, just a little bit. And I think the nice thing, for me at least, from my perspective, is that we learned a lot last year doing all these different styles and I think that we're going to be able to apply some of those learning moments from last year to, to our to our offering this year Are there um, styles of beer that you think work particularly well? You know I think that there's a certain part of our team that would love to pump out more sours so we have a, a beer actually that we brewed for our 7th birthday which is an amaretto sour that we did with Proof uh, Big House so I think we'd like to do more sours sours are a tough sell mm-hmm. they're a niche product um, and so I think that from a, from a sales perspective, sours are, are tricky. Mm. Unless you're a, a vault city or someone like yeah, this who specializes in sours and, and everyone turns to them for the sours. But for us, um, it's something we do on occasion right now. Um, I think I mentioned that in our tap room, we still use that kit. We're doing mostly Cascale. We have a year-round Cascale now called Carded House. And that pretty much takes up all the capacity we have at that brewery. But... If we're able to free up some time, I think we'd like to do more small batch sours that are maybe just available locally yeah, um, because we like to brew them. Uh, in terms of what works, you know, I think that our team, we have five core beers, not including the Cascale. Um, and the nice thing about doing the cores is you do them over and over and over again and you can make small tweaks as you go and you can learn from that and you perfect those things. And I think, you know, as a, as a craft beer guy who likes to try lots of different things I love when new bre- and breweries are putting out mm. new beers all the time I to try new things um, and I think that I, there's a period where I, I didn't appreciate a core range as much it's like oh, that's kind of boring it's always available and I really have learned to appreciate that a little bit more and I think you're seeing more breweries move into a core range I think even Verdant now has a, a kind of a, a set core range and Polly's has a core range so these kind of very specific kind of hazy specialists are, are, are doing a core range as well more and more often so personally I would love to bang out more six and a half to seven and a half percent hazy IPAs that's that's what I'd like to drink yeah they're more expensive to make um, our kit our sweet spot that we've learned is, is around six percent six to six and a half percent max for whatever reason mm-hmm. and so I think that our core range honestly is a very good expression of our of what we're good at that makes sense yeah absolutely maybe a bit of a random question now but what do you think people would be surprised to know about the tap social movement 
That is a good question. That is random. Well, I've already kind of touched on it. Two people in a brewery. People within the industry maybe would not be surprised to learn that. Because there are a lot of small breweries um, who are pumping out high-quality beer in a, in a decent volume with very small teams. But I think people outside of the industry might be surprised to learn that we have two full-time brewers that are handling everything in the brewery. You know, we have some of our staff will come in and help on canning days. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't have a very fancy canning line that is all automated or anything like that. We, nice and manual uh, manu- production line, yeah. yeah I've, I've done my time, <laughs> yeah, yeah. mate, and I've got to do it again soon. I think what we're able to accomplish with the number of people we have in the brewery and I think across the team, really, I'm proud of that. I'm, I'm, I'm proud of Jason and Ben in the brewery for what they do. The quality has just, got, it's just gotten better and better. It was never low, but it's just gotten better and better. We got a couple really nice awards, uh, medals recently at the Society of Independent Brewers Association Awards. Uh, our first gold medal for uh, Inside Out, which is our course uh, oatmeal stout. And um, it's a lot of work to, to do what we do, even as a small brewery. And I think, um, I'm not sure people who are outside the industry quite understand everything goes into it. Yeah, I can appreciate that. I think there's that that runs throughout craft beer, doesn't it? There's a yeah. lot of people who are very passionate about what they do and give their all to stuff. I think and craft beer is a very scrappy industry. Yeah, and uh, have to be. Everyone's mucking in, doing things as you say, helping out on packaging day. Yeah. You know, and if you're doing a marketing role, you've got lots of different hats on. As an example, if you're a brewer, you're not just brewing; you're cleaning, you're ordering, you're doing everything all at the same time. Everything, yeah. Yeah. all at once. Boxes, <laughs> yeah. One day, you know, whatever willing, you know, we'll have a. We'll have a, a boxing machine that makes them fold to the boxes for us. The, the Boxomatic 4000. The Boxomatic 4000. <laughs> it's the pie in the sky. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's right. We can all work towards that. Yeah. And I was wondering then, so on, on that point of like people doing lots of different things, how do you involve kind of prison leavers in the different roles that are available within Tap Social Movement? What kind of roles might people be doing within the um, brewery and the bakery? Yeah, that's... It, it really varies. Um, we have people pretty much in every aspect of the company um, helping out, uh, especially in our venues. I think most of the time that the guys will work in our venues, we've had we've had some come through and kind of help with the senior management team with planning. It just really depends on background, mm-hmm. what they're comfortable with, um, what their experience maybe is, what kind of you know work they want to do after prison. And so I think that um, Paul and Amy and Tess, they do, and, and, and Matt, who's our other um, director and he works with the brewery team I think they kind of cater each position to that person's experience you're very much matching it yeah, to the person much so, yeah. yeah and so you would have people working in the brewery um, helping on you know packaging day yeah, or yeah. learning about the brewing process and schools yeah. and that as well as helping out in hospitality yeah. yeah yeah pretty much I mean you know the interesting thing when someone comes to us who's either finishing up their sentence or uh, they're, on, they're a lever it's not like there's a proclamation made across the company, like there's a new prisoner joining us or something. Um, there's, no, there's no stigma, mm-hmm. is, is the word I wanted to use. It's so I don't know who's, who's coming or going from, from that side of the company. It's, everyone's just treated equally, which I, I really appreciate. There's not That's like, right. a, yeah. okay, just so you know. It's just we're all, we're all colleagues. Um, we're all treated fairly and equally in the same way. And it's on that person to share the, as they exactly. want. Exactly, or not. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. Um, what would you say to someone who is looking to get into a similar role as you? Wow. This is the worst answer in the world and it's still going to come out of my mouth. Be passionate about what you want to do and be passionate and, and just be prepared to do anything. You know, even when I started with Renmin in Singapore, I felt overwhelmed to go from what I expected to be doing to what I was actually doing in terms of working with designers on, on label design to, to packaging. To, you know, we, we were a, a contract brewery, so managing beer coming from Vietnam and Italy of all places um, I think it's just be willing to learn um, be willing to work very hard and just love what you do I think that all those things with anything not just in, in beer but in anything if you love what you do and, and you're willing to learn and I think you can do anything if you put your mind to it this is the worst answer I'm sorry <laughs> I feel like an inspirational it, it's the coach passion, or something no no <laughs> it's the passion that carries you through though isn't yeah. it it's, uh, it is true and yeah. uh, being open and flexible to those yeah. opportunities as they come around yeah and don't be a jerk I don't know yeah. that's a good life life thing right but uh, you know it's it's um yeah I'm very lucky I, I I'm very lucky to be in this position to be working for this company and I'm not just saying that I, I feel very fortunate I f- would like to think that I've Worked very hard to, to get to this this position, um, 
I've been very fortunate to get here. I'll leave it at that. So when you're setting up like TAP Social Movement, do you see obstacles in society or with local authorities to setting up such a scheme or do you see opportunities and people you know, really wanting to help you and, and that's do a, that? That's a big question and I wish that uh, one of our co-founders was here to answer that's it. Right. <laughs> what I will say though is, and what I do know, is that there are a lot of employers mm. in the UK and, and I'm sure in the world that will just full stop not hire someone with a criminal record, just full stop. Which doesn't make sense. If you look at our labor shortages here in the UK, and so I think that that's a huge obstacle. I mean, just having that background, it doesn't matter who you are, what mm-hmm. you're doing. Oh, you have a pre- previous offense, sorry. And so I think what we're trying to do is show the world, essentially, the UK, and we're not the only ones doing it, uh, is to show people that everyone gets a second chance, third chance, fourth chance, if, if, you, if you want it, if you're working towards it. So I think that's really what we're trying to accomplish. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it is, it is very difficult for people. I, I, I can't imagine, really. It's very much catch-22 as well, isn't it? So if you come out there and I know your CV, as it were, in quotes is, I've just left prison, um, someone has to give you a chance, don't they, to you know, show what you can do. Yeah. So that's what you guys are doing. Yeah. And without that, that person's not going to have that to be able to then show to future employers or yeah. anything like that. Yeah, you know, the nice thing is, you know, I, I manage our socials uh, with some help from others. But I, once in a while, I get a message from somebody who's saying, hey, uh, I run X and X business, and I really love what you guys do. Is there any, do you have any resources, or how can I start working with, with prison leavers? And that's, that's, that's the whole point, right? Like, they don't, I wish we got more of those messages. Mm-hmm. Um, but we get them. It's, it's really nice. Um, we've worked with a couple companies. Um, I can't recall the names off the top of my head, but um, who are trying to adopt our model. And that's, that's the whole reason we're here. So uh, what would you say is your favorite thing about working at Tap Social? I, I love waking up, and despite sometimes feeling like there's not enough time in the day to accomplish what I need to accomplish, um, whether from an outside expectation or internal, I love having a, a small hand in everything, almost everything that we do. I love that. I, I find that very rewarding, um, even if it's, you know, helping with a small design tweak on a label can or helping name the beers or, you know, getting to meet so many other great people in the industry. Man, I, you know, if you had told me, you know, when I first started coming to the UK regularly, I was really into, you know, Wild Beer. Wild Beer Co. was one of my mm. gateway breweries. Love Wild Beer. Yeah. Man. We could have another discussion. Yeah. About <laughs> <that>. <laughs> they may have been our wedding beer. Yeah. We had some Ninkasi really? for that. Yeah. 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 That threw quite a lot of people who were expecting champagne. <laughs> <laughs> and then said they got Moto Supper on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what the Surprise. <laughs> um, but if you told me, you know, back then um, that not only would I be working within the industry, but having contacts with some of these breweries that I love so much. Um, you know, we're working with Verdant now. I mean, it's, um, yeah, we've collaborated with some really great breweries. You know, getting to know James and the crew at Pretty Decent Beer Co. in London. Um, such a big fan of what they do. It's just, it's very, I love working in this industry in general. That is really cliche, very general, but it's, I, I, I love it. I, I love having, I would, again, if I was just doing one thing, just doing our Instagram, for example, or just doing, which I love doing, but if I was just doing one thing and didn't kind of have that opportunity to make a small difference in various things, I would be sad. So I'm going to get on to maybe for some people the exciting part of the podcast where I'm going to ask you, if I had to press you to pick one beer, uh, what is your favorite beer and why? Well, I will pick one from our core range, since if someone's listening to this, they could ideally like to go buy this, uh, is Time Better Spent. It's a 5.1% IPA. Uh, very mo- it's a, All of our beers are very modern, but not on the... You know, I always often say we're not on the, the pointy end of craft beer. We don't make the haziest and hoppiest beers in the world. Time Better Spent, for me, is a just beautifully balanced IPA. We, we use uh, the, the classic combo, Citra Mosaic, in that, rounded off with a little Chinook. That beer is our best-selling beer. That beer is well-known throughout Oxford. I hope one day across the UK, when I think about an IPA, an everyday IPA, that's what I think about. And so I think that of anything in the core range, 
time better spent is, is far and away my personal thing. We know what your favorite beer is. Uh, where would be your favorite place to drink a beer? Outside of Tap Social, right? Yeah, we could maybe let's do inside and then outside. Where's your favorite Tap Social place? Ooh, I'm going to get in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> no favorites. My favorite venue is to have a beer when I go out, which is never. Thank you for six-year-old sons. <laughs> Makes it hard. If I had to have a beer at a Tap Social venue, um, you know, I really like going to the White House, which is our pub just south, south of here. Uh, it's about a 10-minute walk from downtown. Uh, it's a great two-listed pub. And I think for me, it's... It's everything that I want in a modern pub. It's, you know, it's not a boozer. There aren't gambling machines in the corner. There's, you know, the, the artwork all around there is all the art that we've got from guys in prison. It's a bright, airy space. We have 10 beers on tap there, two cask ales, nice range of, of cans. It's just a really kind of friendly, cozy place. I like going there when I can, outside of tap social. In Oxford? Or somewhere warmer? <laughs> That's a much bigger question. How about I'll, I'll choose London? Yeah. Um, I, I mentioned that I spent a lot of time in London. I I love the Earl of Essex. Have you ever been to Earl of Essex? I don't think I have, no. It's kind of a... Um, it's part of the Graceland chain. When I say chain, they have a very... It's ownership of, of several different, very independent pubs. Um, I've been going there for 20 years now, and I just have so many happy memories of that place. Uh, the beer's great. It's well kept. Um, it's right in Islington, uh, off the Angel Station. Uh, I love the Earl of Essex, and I, I miss going there. Nice. Yeah, that's a good reason to visit London, if yeah. nothing else. <laughs> <laughs> and so, what have you got coming up um, at Tap Social over the next few months? Well, um, as I mentioned, we have kind of gotten our 2024 planning out. I probably shouldn't I don't know that anyone's listening to this to get inside scoops but I probably shouldn't reveal too much of what we have but we are currently developing an alcohol-free pale ale um, for several reasons I mean I think that the, the shift I, I'm drinking more NA beers than I ever have mm. um, I think it's a responsible thing to do and I think that you know we want to put we want to make our product offering as inclusive as we can and I think having an alcohol-free makes a lot of sense obviously there's a commercial aspect to that and you're seeing most craft breweries dabble in this a little bit now of varying success. We're going to take our time developing it. We had a, um, an extensive tasting session of across kind of examples of the style as a staff uh, a week or two ago. And so when I say we're not going to rush it, we learned very quickly mm-hmm. that it's better to put out a good, solid to good NA beer than one that's not quite there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> not to name, not naming names, but it's it, the range. There's 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 from the undrinkable to the wow. That's an NA beer. Wow. Yeah. So we would like to get on that wow by the yeah. wow curve. But anyway, we're developing that right now. We have a pretty good idea of what we want to do there. So that'll be coming out in probably a couple months. That's interesting. I, th- I feel like with that, we're getting to a point where having the choice of alcohol-free beers means that you drink more beer. I think it, there's more opportunities where you can have a beer. Yeah, um, and fit that into your week and you know do it and not get carried away or anything like that whereas it's not necessary and I think there's some stats around this that it's not people who don't drink at all drinking alcohol free beers it's that's right. beer drinkers that's right. that yeah. want more t- opportunities to try different beers that's right yeah I mean if you have a good one you know it feels like you still enjoy that experience yeah. you still have that, that the whole or five o'clock feeling and all that sort of stuff yeah exactly so I think um, you know for my personal I I um, I'm, I'll have a beer, like a, an alcoholic beer, and then I'll number two will be an NA. And so I think you, know, you feel good about yourself. You feel a little bit, you, know, you can appreciate the yeah, taste of experience a little bit more and a little more responsibly. So we're developing that. Nice. Um, we have a couple of collaborations coming up. Our first one is with Drop Project, which I'm really excited about. Those guys have been very supportive of us. Um, and we're actually putting on one of their, their new releases here uh, later in the week as a launch venue. Um, so we're brewing with them in March for an April release, so we're pretty excited about that. Fantastic. Um, we have a couple other collaborations coming up, and then it's just the festival coming up again, so that's on June 22nd, Changes Brewing. It's the biggest kind of nationwide focus craft beer festival in Oxford every year. We have some really great breweries, and the nice thing is the planning has gotten much easier for those now that we're in our third year. Now you've sort of done a few of those, yes. <laughs> exactly, yeah. And so, uh, you know, we, we're not opening a new venue this year. For the first time in a while. Yep. <laughs> so I'm actually looking forward to, to just settling in and, and perfecting what we have here. So um, one thing that we are doing that I should mention is in the timing still to be determined, but in the next couple of months, we're moving our core range to 440 ML cans, not nice. 330. Yeah. Um, I think the market's kind of moving that way, and 
a lot of support internally for that. So we're kind of excited about that. It's a small thing, but I think it, it'll make a big difference. That's great. When do you think that's going to come in? We're hoping March or April. I okay, think yeah. April at the latest. Um, as I showed you, we, we put our, our, our stout and, and, and uh, IPA in forties as a kind of test. Nice. Yeah, for Christmas. And uh, yeah, I think it's been well received and we're excited about that. Very cool. And how can people keep up to date with everything tap social movement? Well, what a question. <laughs> <laughs> I have an answer for that one. Uh, we're on Instagram and, and Facebook, just at Tap Social Movement. Uh, we keep that updated throughout, you know, pretty much daily. We are on Twitter at Tap Social Brew. And you can subscribe to our website. If you go to our Instagram bio link, there's a link there to subscribe to, subscribe to our newsletter that goes out every Thursday. And that has all of our events across our venues. And that's a great way to stay up to date on what we're up to. Brilliant. Well, thank you very much for joining us. I have to say, as we're ending this, this is probably the first podcast recorded. I'm very cozy with the lamps here, <laughs> where I can see your breath coming out as we record. Right. But proof, indeed, that we're recording in January. Yes, exactly. It's, uh, <laughs> lovely and cozy otherwise, but yeah. Yeah, thanks for braving the cold for us. Not at all. But, yeah. Thank you very much. Yeah, cheers. It was brilliant to find out all about the work of Tap Social and Brian's journey into the world of beer and his role as a marketing manager. And whilst I was there, I was really fortunate to have a chat with Rory, a prison leaver who works at Proof Social Bakehouse, which is part of the Tap Social family. And Rory describes really powerfully how Tap Social made a massive difference, helping him study, to find his feet again, and setting him up on the path for success with his new business venture, a sustainable street and sportswear brand called United We Are. So let's have a chat with Rory. I am an ex-prisoner. I spent a lengthy time in prison um, and started working with Tap Social from prison until getting released and continue to work with them um, up until now. And that's where I see myself for the near future, at least. Um, so I heard about Tap in the prison environment. I was in an open conditions prison. Uh, this is where people go to work. Um, and I was looking for a job in between going to university. I'm also a business and management student. So I was going to university and just wanted some work on a weekend. And I heard from other lads really great things about Tap Social. Um, you can imagine in a prison environment, you've got guys going to work and they come back. And so instinctively, you, you listen to hear what people's experiences are with the companies that they work for because you're looking for a job and, you know, there's some important things about, for me anyway, personally, there's some really important things about uh, having a certain type of employment, uh, an employer. So, yeah, you've got guys coming back and they would talk about TAP and say how great it was. Um, it was in Oxford, so it sounded perfect. I really liked TAP's social mission. And I compared it with, you know, other guys' general experiences of, you know, other hospitality businesses and different companies. Um, and, yeah, you know, there were some kind of unpleasant experiences guys were having when they were going to work and they were coming back. And, you know, I never got this, like, from TAP. Like, I never heard it. So I only knew a couple of guys who'd worked with TAP and were working with TAP. Um, and a good friend of mine had, had uh, worked with tap social or just on one occasion talking about his experiences so um yeah uh, i saw so i applied for the job basically got an interview and it was to work in a bakery i never baked in my life you know mo most uh, cooking i ever done was uh the prison microwave um <laughs> yeah and no, the, the, the the toaster so uh yeah uh I started working and it was really great. It was just an amazing experience. Like it has been an amazing experience. And when I go back to like my concerns um, and what was important for me uh, being employed, uh, it, it was to work in an environment where I felt included, where I didn't feel micromanaged, where I didn't feel excessively judged. You know, you're going to be judged, you know, you, to an extent we all make observations and judgments here and there. It's part of being a human being, but I didn't want to go into a work environment where, you know, I was severely judged because of my past um, and then treat a different way because of that. Um, also, you know, there's always a concern. It's like, how will my colleagues treat me? Um, and so, yeah, when I came Tap Social, started working with them, I didn't experience anything like that, anything of a sort. And in fact, I found it just fruitful, just amazing, just inspiring 
the work that TAP do with people like myself. I, I'm, you know, I, I spent a long time in prison, so like I'm learning now. I'm constantly learning. I, you know, I, I got promoted to be a supervisor. You know, I currently I do a bit of baking, but. Um, I'm more front of house, I can engage with customers, that's a bit of me, so I'm supervising the cafe, um, become a barista, although I can't really do pretty things on top of my uh, drinks. So. <laughs> as long as they taste good, I think. Yeah, this uh, is yeah, it, I get could... the milk right, yeah? yeah? The marble yeah. effect, that's what I go for. Do you know what I mean? Um, I get a love heart now and then, so that's cool. So, so yeah, so, but I'm constantly learning. I'm constantly learning as a uh, employee, as a supervisor, you know, as a subordinate, as, as a superior. And it's, it's been really great. I'm so thankful for what TAP do. And it's just amazing. So yeah, really inspiring. And it sounds like that experience brought you a lot of confidence. Yeah, yeah, I would. So I'm, I've always been pretty confident and I really, I embrace challenges, opportunities to grow. Mm. Uh, I'm very focused and motivated in that area. But there's things you just don't know. There's things you lack experience in. Um, and so, yeah, I've gained lots of confidence from that. You know, just being like a, a, a colleague in your kind of uh, real world outside of prison work environment. Because in prison, there's a work environment. People work. So there's very similar dynamics. You know, you're not just shut off and put in a cell within within reason. You know, they, you know, people do go to prison and they're just stuck in a cell for know 20 odd hours a day there are those but you know generally around a prison estate if you there's opportunities to work to go to education you know it's an organization it runs like any other organization in in that respect so you know i wasn't completely feral <laughs> you know i was domesticated to some degree um and so yeah it was just about transferring those skills but actually like growing and, and developing um, in, in weak areas and strengthening other areas. So yeah, there's been great opportunity there. What were the kind of skills that you were learning when you joined? So there are, you know, your, your typical, like what is called hard skills, which are to bake, which is cool. Yeah. But really I've got like a love-hate relationship with baking. It's funny, it's like, yeah, it's like decorating, yeah. It's just messy, yeah, and I hate decorating. But I love the process of baking and the products at the end. Uh, it's amazing. It's just visually, it's just great. Um, even though I can't eat most of them, I'm lactose intolerant, which is a bit sad. But um, yeah, I enjoy seeing other people eat them. So um, and and the, the love that's gone into making those products, the hard work and the effort by the guys who work there, just passionate. So yeah, those hard skills in the cafe, you know. And I'm still learning, um, making coffee, uh, even using the till. Mm. You know, like before I went to prison, I'd use a till and it was a touchscreen, but you know, these are the new technologies. So those are skills there. And in terms of soft skills, I've learned to improve my communication. You know, in any work environment, you're gonna get disagreements, get conflict. So I've uh, worked on my communication skills there and improved there, so that's cool. And enhancing basically just all those skills I previously had, you know, the focus, you know, diligence, these things, you know, tolerance, customer service skills as well. Like I, I always like customer service in prison. I've worked on prison servery. Um, so, you know, you're feeding, you know, it's like, it's like being a, basically a dinner lady, yeah? That's <laughs> yeah. what it's like. That's how I experience it. It wasn't like, it's like being a dinner lady in school, but, you know, you're serving, could be up to 100 guys. I mean, that brings its own challenges. Um, and, and so, I, but I enjoy that. You know, I enjoy chatting, have a bit of banter, um, and just ensuring that they have the best experience possible. So I've enhanced my customer service skills. Fantastic. And how did the like, conversations work when you met up with TAP for the first time to sort of finding out what you wanted to do, what skills you needed to kind of build on and that kind of thing? How did those conversations work and happen? Okay, so in the interview, it was to, your job was for a baker. Mm -hmm. You know, I was asked what previous skills I had before and I'd, you know, still wrote my, my application with my previous skills and how I could transfer those skills and we were told you know the guys who were having the interview this is kind of what's required of you and how do you think that you would like things that could be quite monotonous tasks you know um, very repetitive uh, how can you deal with that ensuring that measurements are, are correct all the time with with the baking um, 
So those were the sorts of skills that I would talk about. And I, I didn't know at this time, you know, I'd be going to work front of the house. I used to be baking and I'd look over at the cafe I'll see him now. I'll be like, oh, that's a bit of me, like, you know. So um, I, I almost kind of like discovered, you know, what I really wanted to do in, with with the bakery when I'd been working there a little while. Um, so and you know, like, there's always dialogue with our directors. A great, and this is another thing, like. Um, these these guys are just you know they're always there. We need to chat with them, talk with them, um, always engaging. You know if I've had issues, I'll contact them. I'll say, look, this is my issue. You know I need some input. Like, where do you think I should go with this? Um, I always get great feedback. Yeah, it was just I, I was I was kind of asked if I wanted to go front of house. They knew I wanted to, to do that from having dialogue with them. Um, and then yeah, there was just an opportunity to work there, so I just started working there. Nice, and that must be really helpful when you do have those moments where. Uh, you need some help overcoming an obstacle definitely. to be able to speak with someone definitely yeah 100% 100% that's been really important and impactful for me because I'm a business and management student you know, I'm a director and co-founder of a sustainable sport and streetwear brand with my brother Connor called United We Are and I aspire for the business to grow and people will be working underneath me. And I know what it's like in the prison environment. And you don't just have to be from the prison environment to experience bad management, for example. You know, but in the prison environment, you know, there's some great staff and great people doing great things. But when you are a subordinate, in a sense, you're less powerful. And when decisions are made that you have very limited control over, in prison environment, I found out so negatively impactful on people's well-being and their progress through the prison system. So that brought about in me this huge desire to ensure that, you know, I'm like a good manager. If I'm ever managing someone, if I ever have authority control, that I'm a good manager, yeah, that, that I'm good. So being a business and management student as well and learning on the theory side of things, how important that is, different styles of management and how important it is to have healthy and good management as nurturing, nurtures people who are under, underneath them um, and nurtures the whole organisation culture. It is really important for me. Organisation culture is something I'm kind of passionate about as well. Um, having a really healthy, productive organisation culture is like an amazing thing and it's something that I've experienced with TAP and you know, like, like I said, having you know the directors, people I can go to, people I can talk to, um, is really, really like inspiring and actually encouraged me, you know, even further to continue to pursue that desire to be a good manager, to be involved, be there, you know, don't be somebody in the distance. That's really interesting to hear you talk about that. So you've taken that with you from your experience in prison that you want to be a good manager and you've had some experience of the culture that you want to create yeah. tap as well yeah definitely can you tell us a little bit about your business plans with united we are and what you're looking to do united we are so okay yes yeah, so we're pretty new we sell sustainable street and sportswear for us it's about trying to create community around the brand try and in be informative around consumerism and making better choices, inspiring as well, um, and encourage people to just make better choices, not just in consumerism, but in, in their everyday life. You know, and on our website, you know, we've got a page that says get involved, and you know, we provide guidance on what people can do in terms of recycling and ways to recycle. Um, yeah, so that's us. So we're really new and we're always growing. We're in like the kind of still in startup phase I would say mm. we're tweaking things we're improving things and we're just growing and yeah it's, it's, it's good like for me I also would like to develop the brand in a way that it works to prevent reoffending, works to prevent crime you know, I'm inspired by tap and real lived experience so for me it's like I've been thinking like just brainstorming some ideas and it's like I would love to um, set up something where we sponsor uh, disadvantaged children you know particularly again I'm just ideas um, particularly widowed parents so my mother was widowed when I was seven 
um, four kids. And so they were, you know, my mom, great woman, you know, did her best, did a great job. But there was barriers to me getting involved in, say, karate, for example. You know, um, I, there's insurance and there's, you know, the kits and things like that. And had those barriers, and there's other factors that always contribute to people committing crime. So it's not as straightforward as this. But had I not had those barriers and I've been able to pursue, you know, karate, you know, maybe then I would have had, you know, influential role models in my life that I required at the time, strong male figures in my life to guide me in the right direction. I'd had an outlet to express my energy. I'd had something to really focus on. Um, and it, it, there's a good chance that it would have, you know, helped steer me in the straight path because exercise and fitness prior to prison, through prison, and even after, is something that's kept me centered, even amongst the madness in my life. So yeah, I would love to set up some sort of program where we could sponsor some some kid, you know, for till the age of 16 to pursue a, a sport that they want. So for me, it's I, I love the environment. My brother loves the environment. You know, Connor, co-founder and director as well. He's doing environmental studies, really passionate. So it'd be good to kind of bring something else into that, you know. And for me and my brother, we'd always talked about having a business between us. So for me, it was like, you know, we wanted a business that contributes to the world in a positive way. And this is what United We Are is about. I think it's lovely to see that you're also looking to create a business for good. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so whilst you're working, you're obviously creating something that sells and pays the bills. In doing it, you help out the world around you. Exactly. Exactly. Why not? Why not? I've probably asked you it in different ways before, but what does tap mean to you? Oh, that's a good question. Tap. What does it mean to me? How important it was for me to have the type of employment I, I was seeking, as well as in terms of something where I, I could have a future and it wasn't just a stepping stone, like I've talked about, it was like, it's so important, it's been so impactful. Um, I've felt supported throughout the process, TAP has been a support, it's been nurturing, again, inspiring, you know, and... It means a great deal to me to be a part of this organisation that, you know, evidently is having such a big impact on uh, people returning back to prison. You know, people who have been in conflict with the justice system. This is what how I like to refer to people, you know, people you know, called prisoners, ex-prisoners, but I don't like using offenders, offender, you know, people who are in conflict or have been in conflict with the justice system. So it's it's just great. It's cool. Like, it's just, it's, it's hard to put into words to kind of define it, um, what TAP means to me. It means a great deal. And having that stable employment, which was purposeful, gave me direction, gave me opportunity, um, has just been, yeah, amazing. It's just amazing. Just superb all the great words yeah you can find in the dictionary there you go all the great amazing words <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah I mean like like this is how cool tap are yeah I um, was moving into my accommodation and I was in a probation hostel um, I had loads of stuff yeah because I got out so I was like yo I'm making sure I was getting things that I didn't have and had been away for so long yeah and um, I was like right cool who can I get to help take my stuff to my accommodation it, it's not too far away but but you know I thought oh, I could get a van I could rent a van but I thought oh, tap, I know they've got their vans big vans yeah so I was like cool so I like contacted Tess she's one of the directors she's like my go-to Tess she's cool and uh, I was like yo listen dude, have you got your van so I'll pay in it like I need help like to move some stuff this some other stuff straight on it they didn't have the van yeah however Tess and Matt you know another great person one of the directors you know both of their cars came on that day and helped me take my stuff to my accommodation helped me carry it in like you know just that That's you know brilliant. something yeah. like out you know that help outside of and even with the brand you know I, I do a run club every Thursday um, as a collaboration between Proof Bakehouse and United We Are. And that's where we have like a really inclusive run club where it's like social pace, 5K every Thursday. Um, so like even in terms of that, like they've really kind of like helped uh, with, the, with the brand actually, helped me and my brother to build that community around our brand. Um, and it's both under the social responsibility umbrella. You know, you've got TAP, 
you know, Proof doing a great thing, um, working with prisoners. And then, you know, you've got our brand, which is about sustainability. Um, and so, yeah, so it's cool to kind of like collab with each other. Definitely. Yeah. It's more than a job though, isn't it? It's uh, a community you've joined in a way, so, and a community that works together and wants everyone to do well. And this is it, yeah, this is it. It's, it, yeah, it's more than just coming to work. Like, I could be a, like, have, like, just a, a bit of a bad day. Only human, we all have our bad days. And mm. you know what, it's like, I can go to work and I'm cool. Like, you know, I'm nice. I'm like, you know, it brings me up, you know. Mm. It's, it's great because I know there's support there. Great colleagues, just a great environment, really healthy. Um, yeah, like, it's cool. Can I ask you a beer question? Yeah, all right, go on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As we're, we are beer people, do you have a favourite beer at all from there? I do like a false economy lager. Nice. That's 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 my that's kind of my yeah that's my go-to. I'd definitely say, yeah, false economy, happy days. Nice one. How about your favourite proof bakery product? Ah, oh, see what this is a thing. Yeah, I'll be lactose intolerant. Yeah, it's probably the only thing that saves me. Otherwise, it'd be a problem working there. Yeah, <laughs> problem. Um, ooh, so uh, vegan cinnamon buns. Nice. And panaraisins. I love a panaray. I've always love loved the panaraisins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so they're, they're my two. I, I can't really say it. It's hard to decide out of them two. Fantastic. How about coffee? What's your favourite coffee? Coffee. So I'm. I like a what I call a flat whistle. Flat white. Yeah. Flat whistle. Flat whistles. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I like black americanos. Yeah. yeah, straight kind of large black americano apples. Nice one. That's brilliant. Well, thank you so much for joining us and sharing your story there. Very welcome. Thank you. And if more businesses and brands had that approach to improving the world we live in, it would be a much kinder place. And it's great to see their awareness and influence building. A big thanks to Brian and Rory for their time. And we recorded this in the wonderful Market Tap in Oxford's Covered Market, which is an amazing venue. Definitely go there if you haven't been before. And make sure you visit there or any of the other Tap social venues when you're in the city. Thank you very much for listening and I hope you can join me on the next one. And this is the part where I ask for your help. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe to the podcast, leave a review or rating or share it with others. This really helps us out and helps other people find the podcast, particularly as we're starting out. And you can follow us on social media, search for We Are Beer People, all one word. You can also email us at wearebeerpeoplepod at gmail.com. Let us know what you think, share your thoughts, and if you have any recommendations for beer people you'd like to hear from. And until next time, don't forget, you, me, us, them, we are all beer people.